Okay, it is Sunday, June 7th. Time for another edition of the Daily Kimono MMA Podcast. This is going to be a lot of Dana White uh, and his comments in the aftermath of UFC 250 and maybe some of the things he had to say also before UFC 250. And so, to get things started, let's uh, listen to what the UFC president had to say about one Jorge gamebred Masvidal. Uh, I know you've been talking about Jorge Masvidal a lot, but he was on SportsCenter tonight. And just wanted to ask you, you know, I mean, you guys have obviously talked about some of your differences. What is what is the plan in terms of reconciliation? I mean, what what is the plan now in the next few days, weeks, whatever it is? What is what is your plan with Jorge Masvidal? Listen, Ma- Masvidal has a contract. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to you again. We're in a pandemic right now. Yeah. And I just told you, we're going hour by hour, not even day by day. And, and uh, you know, no other league has pulled off what we've pulled off. There's no gates. There's no anything. And we were still talking about he's under contract. He just signed a new deal. He has seven fights left on his new contract. So uh, we tried to negotiate with him, and, and, and we couldn't get it done. We have a contract with, 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 with Masvidal. Mm-hmm. So as of, as of as of now, are you kind of treating those neg- negotiations as done? Like you went, you talked to him. If, Gilbert... Masvidal, if Masvidal wants to fight, he'll let us know. Yeah. In the meantime, are you moving on with Gilbert Burns? Is that, yeah, is that yeah, we're, you're, we're, you're actively moving on with that? We're moving on. Okay. It doesn't take a genius to figure this one out. Jorge Masvidal wants a significant amount of money to face UFC welterweight champion Kamara Usman and um, and. Gilbert Burns is someone who will fight Usman for less money. And so, the UFC, who is always interested in spending as little money as possible and making as much money as possible, is going to play that play that card. And they're going to more or less tell Jorge Masvidal, here's what we're offering you to fight Kamara Usman. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. And then I'll just go to Gilbert Burns, who will take less money to fight Usman. And that leaves Jorge Masvidal swinging in the, in the breeze. Um, so he has no negotiating power in, in, this, in this game. None. The UFC has a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. And... Um, if, if Masvidal wants to make any money, he has to accept what the UFC offers. And if someone's coming in at a lower bid, and then the UFC's, like the government, is going to take that lower bid. And that's going to be the guy that gets the title fight. The, U, uh, the UFC might make a little less money in a, Masvidal, in a Burns-Usman fight. But they're still going to make plenty of money because they have a set contract with ESPN. So ESPN pays the UFC a set amount for each pay-per-view. If they go above that set number of sales, then the UFC gets uh, a little extra. But no matter what, the UFC gets a set amount. And so if they can spend a little less money on, on a fighter like Burns, but still make the same amount, they're gonna they're gonna do that, and and this is the situation we're in with 
with pretty much everyone at this time. Same situation with John Jones. Um, same situation here with Jorge Masvidal. And Gilbert Burns is the low bidder, so he's most likely going to get the title fight, which was easy enough to predict as soon as he um, beat Tyron Woodley. You could, you could see the writing on the wall. Okay. Listen, I, I put on fights for a living. Yeah. And people who want to fight can fight. The beautiful thing about this sport is this isn't like NFL or Major League Baseball or NBA. These guys don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. They literally don't have to. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to, they don't have to. I don't think it's a secret that White is leaving a big chunk of uh, information out of that. Um, he's right. If fighters don't want to fight, they don't have to. But every time a fighter refuses a fight, their contract gets extended. Every time a fighter refuses a fight, the fighter doesn't make any money. And so, like I said earlier, you're in a no-win situation here. You accept what the UFC wants you to, to wants to offer you, or you you make nothing. So white white makes this sound like a simple proposition that oh well if you don't want to fight you don't fight and then that's the end of the story. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is if you want to earn money, you have to fight. If you don't want to accept what the UFC is offering you because it's too low in your opinion, then you're not going to fight. And that's not a choice when you when your choice is take what I offer you or or take nothing. That's that's not a that's that's not as simple as White makes it sound. So this idea that yeah you can fight if you want to or you don't have to fight is oversimplified. It leaves out the part where the fighter if the fighter wants more than the UFC is offering and the UFC doesn't want to budge, then the fighter doesn't make any money at all. And that's that's the big problem we're looking at right now. The UFC is lowballing people. They're getting sick of it because they know what the, the UFC is made, making, more or less. And if they don't know what they're make, UFC is making, the fighters do know that not long ago, the UFC sold for $4 billion. So they, know, they have a good idea of uh, what, what, they're, what they're worth. And they also know that they're not getting paid what they're worth. One thing that he mentioned in the Sports Center interview tonight, which is brand new, he said, uh, "Let me out of my my contract." You know, it, when a guy says that, do you take it seriously? And would you ever consider letting him out of his contract? The dumbest question you literally could ever ask me. So, so no, you don't take it seriously. No, I don't take what seriously. You Mas think I'm gonna? You think I have a contract with a guy where I've honored my contracts? I always honor my contracts. Mm -hmm. Never not honored contract in my life. Mm -hmm. Twenty years of being in this. The answer was not really there, was it? The question was, do you take it seriously? And um, the answer is that while he might, while White might take it seriously, he's never, go, never, never going to release a fighter that's under contract, simply because he knows that the fighter can't go anywhere as long as he has a UFC deal. So as long as someone has their name on a contract, even if the money is lower than what they think they it should be paid, the UFC will not release that person because they're pretty much tied to the UFC forever after if they if they don't want to fulfill their contract. Um, so say someone like George St. Pierre, 
if he retired and he still had fights on his deal and decides he wants to come back at some point, he has no choice but to come back to the UFC because he's tied to that contract. The contract doesn't go away. It just kind of sits there and waits for someone to want to try and come back and then they're tied to that deal. It's is it fair? No, but it's legal and it's one of the reasons that I think fighters should avoid signing long-term long-term deals especially if those fighters are have any kind of negotiating power or name recognition. So Jorge Masvidal is at the height of his popularity pretty much since he's um, knocked out Ben Askren, um, beat Nate Diaz. He couldn't have more bargaining power, but with fighters like Gilbert Burns willing to fight for less, he's got to take what the UFC offers him. It's it's an ugly, ugly, ugly thing. Um, and um, the good thing is that fighters are speaking up about it something we did not see until recently. So with fighters speaking up and the media writing about these things, um, there's a chance that the pressure from the combined pressure there could make could make some changes. Um, they might be small changes at first, uh, but over time those small changes could be more significant, especially if the fighters uh, sign on and support the Ali Act and try and organize um, but that too is a risky proposition because we saw what happened with Leslie Smith um, and so she, she tried to organize and, and get fighters to form an association and the first opportunity to get the USC got they cut her loose so the fighters know what fate they will meet if they do try and organize but sooner or later somebody's going to get fed up enough that they're just going to say screw it and roll the dice hopefully that time's coming much sooner than later this next thing i want to talk about is uh, a myth it's about a myth that the ufc perpetrates on its fighters and its fans and maybe it even believes it itself, but it's it's untrue. And after you'll listen to this clip from Dana White, I will explain why it's untrue. These guys are independent contractors. This isn't like the NFL where I can make you. You, you come to practice and you do this, or you're going to get fined, or you're going to get this. These guys can do whatever they want. So... For tax filing purposes, yes, UFC fighters are independent contractors. In the reality, though, they are not really independent contractors because as an independent contractor, which I am, I can take my services to wherever I want for the highest bidder. So if I want to shop things around and get a different gig for a little while, I, I'm free to do that. UFC fighters are not free to do that. They're independent contractors in tax filing purposes only. If And this was something we discussed here with, with Jorge Masvidal. If Jorge Masvidal was an independent contractor, he could shop his services around. He cannot. 
And the even more asinine thing in this statement is comparing UFC fighters to NFL players. And I'm going to write about this at some point in the coming week, I hope, and explain why this is such such a stupid comparison. Because the, the simplest way to look at it is a NFL player is an employee of the NFL. And as such, that employee... Yes, they have different responsibilities, but they also get more pay and more benefits. And so that's why they're employees and why the NFL can tell them, quote unquote, tell them what to do um, because they are employees of the NFL and the employees of the, of the team they belong to. Um, and they're contracted there for that team. They can't shop their services around, but they're also compensated for that in financially, in benefits, and benefits that last well past their uh, career if, if they become vested. Um, so White does not want to go down that road, uh, but since he opened the door, my plan is to um, really detail uh, and compare the NFL to the UFC as far as what the fighters uh, get paid and what benefits they get. Um, even a practice squad player on the NFL has more benefits than a UFC player, and they get those benefits after three weeks on the practice squad. UFC fighter will never get benefits because the UFC doesn't provide them. And that's one of the reasons that the UFC makes 85, takes home 80 to 85% of the fighter revenue. I had a big you know, thing the other day with, with a reporter about fighter pay. They can come out and tell you what they make any day of the week. They can do any of that stuff. These guys can do whatever they want. This is another myth that White has been throwing around lately. The fighters cannot do whatever they want. Um, in their contracts, they are not allowed to discuss their pay. It's in the contract. It was, it's in Ed, the uh, Eddie Alvarez contract we saw. It's, it's in there that you cannot discuss pay. So I don't know what White's trying to sell, but we anybody that's been around the UFC since that contract got leaked, knows that fighters can't discuss their pay. At least not openly. But White has been um, expressing that, that, that they can um, for, for a while here, and it's just not true. It's just not true. So they don't have to fight. And we're not, we're not begging people to fight. We're offering fights because in, in our contract, I have to give you three fights a year, right? I owe you three fights a year. You have the ability to turn them down and not take them um, so they can do whatever they want. This is another instance where White's leaving out a giant part of the discussion. Yes, it's true that uh, contractually fighters have to be offered a set amount of fights per year. Yes, it's true that they can turn them down and they don't have to fight if they don't like that fight. But what White leaves out here is in that contract, it also says that 
when a fighter turns down a fight or is injured and can't accept the fight or w will not accept the fight for, for whatever reason, that their contract will extend. Um, so when you turn down a fight, your, your contract automatically adds more time to it. So the more fights you turn down, the longer you get locked into a deal with the UFC. So it's kind of a no-win situation there. White has also been hammering the, the uh, MMA media pretty hard as of late. And one of his favorite topics that emerged after the event that was supposed to take place at Tachi Palace got scrapped was that the MMA media was the reason that the event got scrapped and um, that the media did w whatever it could to make sure the UFC wasn't able to hold these fights. And here, uh, he made another comment to that effect that was just silly and out of line um, before UFC 250. We had members of the media calling politicians, calling venues, calling state athletic commissions, terrorizing them that they were going to write bad stories about them if this thing happened. Okay, so do I think that the calls to the commissions, to the um, arenas, to whoever, do I think that those calls were made by the media? Yeah, I believe they were made. Um, I can say that I've I contacted some commissions about these things, but it wasn't to quote unquote terrorize anyone. It was to get the information that a journalist would get, and that's what these people were doing. They weren't terrorizing anyone. They weren't threatening anyone that they were going to write bad stories about them. They wanted information um, that the commission could give or the location that was going to hold the event could give as to what was going to happen and health and safety protocol and any other kind of information that a journalist would get in a situation like 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 we are in right now to to say that the the MMA media was terrorizing anyone is is a gross um, misstatement it's just a a huge leap that White made to paint the MMA media as against him. It's not true. Um, the media is, there's, there's layoffs happening in the media right now. One of the reasons that the layoffs are happening um, is because there are no events taking place in the bigger sports picture. So if the UFC media, MMA media, could have done anything to uh, get fights to happen sooner that would have only benefited the media it would have maybe saved some jobs maybe not but at least would have had people working which we didn't have and 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 so the media actually worked against itself in trying to get information on these cards and and see what's what and making sure that the fighters were healthy and safe during this time so to to paint the uh, media as a, an enemy of the ufc is is wrong and a lie and 
I can't stress that enough. One of the stranger exchanges um, of the UFC 250 post-fight press conference came near the end of the presser with, with Dana White. and um, So I just want to play this and then comment on it. So tonight, uh, Devin Clark took a knee before his fight with Metafield, whose father was killed by the LAPD. And then earlier this week, we had the NFL issue a statement um, about the protest. And it kind of ties back together because that's where the kneeling started. Where, what was your feeling uh, watching the other leagues respond to the protests around the country and, and the world. And, and in light of some of your fighters speaking up, is the USC, UFC prepared to make a statement or have you talked about it at all? About what? what? I don't understand the question. I, I don't understand what you're asking me. Yeah, so the NFL has made it. I, I haven't seen oh. anything that they've done. I've, I haven't watched any of the other leagues. I don't, I don't look at what everybody else is doing. I, I do what we do. Um, and, you know, our, our, our guys were, uh, you know, Israel Adesanya was very involved in, in, in his uh, country. Um, you know, John Jones was out there doing his thing. Other, other African-American uh, fighters for the UFC called me and asked me for advice. And I gave them the best advice that I could give them. But I would, you know, as far as, I don't know if you're asking me about social media and stuff like that, but I said the other day, I would never tell, like I said, everybody is dealing with all this madness that's going on in the world right now in different ways. And everybody's going to handle it differently. And, and I would never try to tell somebody how to express themselves, whether it's fear, anger, you know, whatever it might be. And the beautiful thing about America is everybody can and however they want to. So I, I, would, I, would, I would never do that. Now, my question wasn't if uh, you were watching what the athletes were saying. My question is, was the UFC, were you all considering making a statement as an organization? About what? Uh, about the protests or about um, the, the reason why the athletes were kneeling in, in other organizations? I, I don't even know yeah. how to answer that question. So it's an First of all, the question was obviously trying to lead Dana White down the uh, path to comment on the the Black Lives Matter movement and maybe to make a statement about the why the protests are happening. And maybe the question wasn't phrased as clearly as possible. Um, I don't know who asked this question, but she was clearly hedging and, and nervous about just saying what she wanted to say um, and that allowed White to kind of avoid the question that, and act like he didn't know what the question was about maybe he didn't but I'm, I, I don't believe that I mean unless he is totally clueless of what's going on in the world which maybe but he, he obviously, I, I think he knew what was being asked and he just did his best to avoid the question, um, which bothers me because you, you, no one's asking anyone to uh, make some sweeping statement 
um, about anything. You, you, the, the, the question really is, what do you think about this? And, and anyone that can't say that they're against uh, racist policing policies or uh, one race being treated as lesser than another, um, that makes me suspicious. You can't deny there's racism in America. You can't deny that the the history of the country. You just can't deny the racism is built into America. What you need to do is acknowledge it, figure out a way to do your best to um, help out, uh, speak up, speak out about racism, take a stand, let it be known that you won't tolerate it. Uh, but white didn't do any of that. Um, I mean, even if it, and and I'm kind of glad in one way, because it lets you know what the stance is. And it's, the whole thing made me think of that um, comment that was left on Stepe Miocic's uh, social media, where he did the the blackout um, post, and someone told um, him that he should remember. That most of his fans are white and he said okay he doesn't really care about that because he he's more concerned about the world that he's gonna that's gonna be here for his daughter that's a perfect answer I mean it's it's you know it acknowledges the fact that he is concerned it acknowledges the fact that he's not gonna put up with your he doesn't want to hear your racist bullshit he doesn't care who his fans are, white or black, or any other race. All he's concerned about is the future for his daughter. Easy answer, correct answer, good statement. White couldn't even muster enough to, to, to do that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Do I think that Dana White's racist? No. Um... Do I think that he's concerned about how he appears to his fans and um, that he's afraid of alienating a lot of people and that will and that'll cost him money? Yeah. And that I mean, I guess I can take a step back there and and say to accept racism is just as bad as being racist in my mind because. You're not standing for anything then. It's the simplest thing to stand for. It, 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 there's no reason to dislike someone because of their race. It's not, it, it's incomprehensible. There's no reason for it to happen other than you're so insecure with yourself that you have to have someone to you can look at and point at and say that, that, that's a lesser person than me. It's dumb. It makes no sense. I can't comprehend it. I don't understand it. And to me, the simplest thing in life is to say, this is wrong. This is bad. There's no reason for it. I'm not going to put up with it. So why isn't that being done here? What? Why can't that statement be made? I don't know. But it's really something that I think that everyone should think about. As far as the rest of the UFC 250, I was 
extremely impressed with Cody Garbrandt. Um, it, not only his fighting, but his post-fight press conference. He seems to be uh, much more mature, much more thoughtful. And uh, I like what I saw in, in and outside the cage. Um, so maybe he's uh, turned a corner in, in, in multiple ways. I would still like to see him fight someone who's going to um, try and put him in an uncomfortable situation before we say that he's um, Cody 2.0. So if he gets a next fight against someone um, that can push him and maybe tag him and hurt him and he can still resist the urge to just throw caution to the wind and get in a slugfest, if he can prove that, I I think that he's uh, then then he I think he should be in line for a title shot after that. Right now, I don't think he should be because we still have uh, some questions about him. Um, he's still just coming off his first win after three straight knockout losses. So, um, while I I liked what I saw, I I think I need to see one more fight for him with someone that's going to push him. Um, before we can declare that he's back and, and a new fighter. Um, Felicia Spencer, I don't know what to say about that fight. I think it should have been stopped at the end of the third round. Um, definitely at the end of the fourth round. She had no path to victory. And she took a, a lot of damage. I mean, there's no doubt that she's tough. Um, she's got a lot of fight in her. She can take a, uh, a, a lot of punches or take a lot of damage. But that that's going to catch up with you at some point. So why why make her take that kind of damage when she doesn't need to? So it was disappointing to see, once again, some someone's corner not throwing the towel when there was, a, when there was no clear path to victory for that fighter. Um, we really, really, really need to change the culture of MMA and the thinking um, before there is a serious incident. And by that I mean before someone dies in the cage in the UFC. Um, I don't want it to happen, but if we keep um, with this, keep going down this path where um, there's always that hope that somebody's going to come back and pull out a miracle knockout or a submission I think we're destined for for something terrible to happen um, I don't know what you can what else there is to say about Amanda Nunes she she put an explanation point on uh, on her status as the best fem best women's fighter in uh, the UFC probably in UFC history um I think it's going to hurt the UFC if she sits out until next year. But I think that's the right move for her. Um, if her and her wife are going to have a, a child and I think uh, and she can afford to sit out and help um, raise, the, raise the baby in the uh, early going. And I think that's a good thing. I think she should do that. Um, and if she ends up sitting out longer, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but 
with the way the the world is right now, I think the UFC is going to try and subtly try and keep her in the mix um, and keep her active because they need as many champions fighting as possible. Um, Aljamain Sterling, just a fantastic performance. Just fantastic. Um, there's nothing... To, there's, he deserves the... Uh, a shot at the title. I'm, I'm hopeful that he will get that, and it won't be. Um, no one will step over him to, to to get the the winner of, the Jan and Aldo fight. But we know how things work in the UFC. Um, we thought Masvidal was going to fight Usman, and that's not happening. So um, Sterling needs to do everything he can to get the hold uh, Dana White to the fact that he said that he's going to get that title shot. Um, I was, I liked that um, Sterling spoke up about the Black Lives Matter movement. I liked that he explained it in a simple and easy under, to understand way when he compared it to a house on fire. Um, I hope some folks who are maybe not as accepting as of the movement um, heed his words and maybe open their minds a little bit. And I would hope that the UFC also heeds his words and opens its minds a little bit and makes a statement that it means... Um, so it was good to see that. It was good to see him get the, uh, make a statement, um, both inside and outside the octagon. What I kind of missed about the, the Sterling performance is that is, uh, Longo and, uh, Sarah weren't there. I think that would have been something to hear and see in the, uh, quiet, confines of the UFC apex so that was a little bit above a bummer too that we missed out on that um that alone I think would have been worth a $50,000 performance of the night bonus just watching those those folks celebrate um Aljo's win and I think that's all I have for tonight um I thought UFC 250 was a very good card. Uh, I understand why some people were down on it before it took place because it didn't have a lot to interest the casual fan. Um, hardcore fans are go were going to watch it regardless. Uh, I think they left the evening happy. Um, weight was uh, everything we could have expected and more. Um, Sean O'Malley took the next step. Garbrandt looked good. Sterling looked good. Hooper discovered that he's not ready to take the next step. But all in all, I think uh, Bantamweight sorted itself out a, li uh, pretty m a little bit at least. And we have a path going forward. I still don't like Jan and Aldo. I think it should be Jan and Sterling. But that's neither here nor there. But uh, a good fight card. And... I, I can't say anything really, really bad about it, and I won't. So uh, until tomorrow.
Stay safe.